Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. But with that being said, let's go to Leviticus chapter 24, verse 5 through 10. It's a third book that we find in the Bible. Leviticus chapter 24, verse 5 through 10. I'm reading out of the NLT. Anybody got their physical Bibles with them this morning? Yeah, okay, more than, more than first service. Okay, there we go. I said that during first service, and like two people are like, yeah. I was like, yeah, you know, so you get an extra Joel in heaven. Just kidding. Um, Leviticus chapter 24, verse 5 through 10. We also have it on the screen, y'all. Um, it says this right here. It says, you must bake 12 flat, somebody say flat, loaves of bread from choice flour using four quarts of flour for each loaf. Now, whenever I was reading this, y'all, I was like, man, are we reading a cookbook, like a recipe? Like, what is going on right now? We're reading the Bible, y'all. It says this, place the bread before the Lord on the pure gold table and arrange the loaves in two stacks with six loaves in each stack. Put some pure frankincense near each stack to serve as a representative offering, a special gift presented to the Lord. Every Sabbath day, this bread must be laid out before the Lord as a gift from the Israelites. It is an ongoing expression of the eternal covenant. The loaves of bread will belong to Aaron and his descendants who must eat them in a sacred place for they are most holy. It is the permanent, somebody say permanent, right of the priest to claim this portion of the special gifts presented to the Lord. So in this scripture, we find this bread, we call it the shoe bread, and this bread had to be cooked and prepared in a specific way before it was ever presented to God. And we find out that there were 12 loaves of bread, one representing each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And this bread was a symbol of God's promises and provision and the covenant that they had with God. The, 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 the promises and the provision that the people of Israel had with God. It was a way that they expressed and showed gratitude to God within the temple. So before they could ever go into the Holy of Holies, they had to take a moment to remind themselves and have gratitude for God's goodness and faithfulness in their lives. And I think that in that, y'all, we find a principle and we find a key for having a spirit-filled home and a spirit-filled life, and it is this, having gratitude for God. And what I want to talk about this morning, just for the next few minutes and moments that we share here together, is this, the recipe for gratitude. The recipe for gratitude. Can we pray? Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you for allowing us uh, just to gather in your presence. Lord, right now, I just get myself out of the way, and I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would speak clearly through your word, Lord Jesus, that Holy Spirit, that you would move on the hearts of people, that people would be edified and be equipped, Lord God, to take on everything that you have for them through this week. In Jesus' mighty name, thank you for today, and if you agree with that, can somebody say amen? Amen, amen, amen. Come on, one more time. Can you go ahead and give God a shout of praise? Put your hands together for him. Thank you, Jesus, for his word. And as you do that, you can take a seat. God bless you. Thank you for standing in honor of reading of God's word. By show of hands, just curious, who in here has a family recipe that has been handed down from, from generation to generation? Yeah? Got some? Okay, cool, cool, cool. Maybe it's a, a special dish or, or dessert that your grandmother made or your great-grandmother made, and, and it was handed down, and maybe they, they make it at every family event, you know, or gathering, and now it's just a staple, and it's tradition for your family to make those things. Like, I know for me and my family, we have something on my dad's side, but also on my mom's side specifically, my mammal was the best cook ever. Who knows there's nothing like grandma's cooking, right? 
incredible. She, I miss her so much. She was amazing. She's amazing. And, and I can imagine her cooking in heaven right now as we speak, y'all. She was that good, y'all. Um, but I was reminded, and I will never forget about whenever I went to Brooklyn's family's 4th of July years ago when we first got together. And I found, up, found out about their family recipe of fried pies, y'all. Like as if pies within themselves didn't have enough calories already. They went ahead and deep fried them, put candy bars and all these different things within the pies. Deep fried, get me a fried pie and some milk. I'm a happy man. Just let me have that, right? No, it was, we had a great time and I'll, I'll never forget that. But apparently it was a recipe that was passed down. It was created by Brooklyn's grandmother, great grandmother, actually. And for those that don't know, Brooklyn, my wife right here, um, she actually comes from a family line of pastors. Her grandparents were pastors, and her great-grandparents were pastors as well. And apparently, these fried pies were so good because at one point, their church needed a new parking lot. And one of the, raise, one of the ways that they raised money was making a whole bunch of fried pies and selling them. And they were able to pave a new parking lot for their church as well. All from a recipe that was handed down from one generation to the next. Who knows that there's something special about preserving and keeping certain recipes that, that are within the family, but who also knows that all it takes is one bad ingredient or a mix-up or a mismeasurement to mess up a recipe. Come on, who in here has ever messed up a recipe before? Come on, I'll raise my hand. I've messed up plenty of recipes. They can make it plain and simple, whatever. I've messed up recipes before. Come on, parents, mothers, who knows that when you gather the family together and you tell everybody, I'm about to make this new meal, but maybe you added just a little bit too much salt or something, right? Like, who knows? Like, you can, if you mix up one ingredient, right, salt and sugar, they, they look similar, they have similar textures, but if you use one rather than the other, it can make or break a dish. Brooklyn told me that she one time tried to make her grandmother's uh, biscuit recipe, which her grandmother, y'all, she just turned 92. She was in first service this morning on her mom's side. Incredible, so faithful, a member of this church. And uh, she made her biscuits, but rather than using baking powder that the recipe called for, she used baking soda. Right? I don't know. She guess she was younger, but it, it made it like super salty, and it ruined the recipe. Who knows that all it takes is one ingredient or one thing to go wrong to, to mess up a recipe. And it got me thinking, man, how much pressure, like, must the people of Israel have felt when it came to making a meal for God? Think about that. Can you imagine... Making a meal for God. Can you imagine the creator of heaven and earth giving you a specific recipe and say, I need you to make this for me every single week? That's essentially what the nation of Israel had to do. I mentioned this during first service, but I have my friend right here in the front, Joel. He actually flew in from Switzerland for Josh Field, getting married and everything. Come on, guys. And He's like a five-star chef from Switzerland, and he cooks incredible food. And during the bachelor party for Josh one morning, I woke up, and, like, I could just smell and tell something was happening in the kitchen. And he was going at it, mixing all these different things, putting all these things together, y'all. It was an amazing breakfast he made for all the guys. He made layered omelets and stuff I didn't even know that existed. It was so, so good, man. But, Joel, can you imagine, man, cooking a meal for God? That's what the nation of Israel had to do. Right? And, and, and it says in First Chronicles chapter 9, get this, that this recipe, it was a hidden secret recipe that, get this, was kept and entrusted within one family, and it was hidden, handed down from one generation to the next. 
And it wasn't like God was, like, going to literally eat the bread, right? You know what I mean? Can you imagine? Because God's not like Santa Claus where you leave out cookies for him and he comes out, right? Can you imagine going in within the tabernacle and seeing God hunched over, like, bread comes on? I don't know. That would just ruin it for me. You know what I mean? But no, no, no. This right here, this was a memorial offering before the Lord that they were making. It, it was a symbol and a representation of God's provision and God's promises and God's prosperity over the nation of Israel. It was a way that they showed gratitude to God because for the nation of Israel, God did a lot for the nation of Israel. For starters, God delivered them from Egyptian captivity and slavery. He split the Red Sea, and on top of that, he took care of them for 40 years in the desert, to the point that the Bible even says that God didn't allow their sandals or their clothing to wear away. And whenever it was daytime and it was hot, the Bible says that God appeared and he showed up as a cloud by day that gave them cover and guidance whenever it was daytime. But then whenever it was nighttime and cold and dark, the Bible says that God showed up as a pillar of fire to give them light and to give them warmth. Whenever they were thirsty, God brought water out of a rock. When they were hungry, God caused there to be manna bread to rain down from heaven. God took care of his people. Who knows that God takes care of his people, that he is a good heavenly father. So when God gave instructions to Moses to build this tabernacle, to build this tent, he said, I want you to create this space. I want you to create this place called the table of shoe bread. So that way the people of Israel will never forget the covenant and the promises and the provision and how good I have been to them. Now we don't even know the full recipe for the shoe bread. And even to this day, it is said that experts have tried to come together to recreate this shoe bread, y'all. But they haven't been able to because it was passed from one generation to the next because they kept it very safeguarded and to themselves because they were afraid that that recipe would get in the hands of someone that would make it for a false god or for an idol. That's how serious and sacred this recipe and this bread was to the people. You can look into it yourself. But there's two things that we can notice about this bread, and it's this, that the bread was flat and the bread was stacked. Somebody say flat and stacked. Because we see that in the scripture that we just read. And I want to give you an example real quick of, of what I'm talking about, uh, uh, just a visualization real quick. Because when we think of bread, y'all, many times we think about the bread that we, that we have at the grocery store. In first service, I had sliced bread that I bought at the store. But during second service, I went out, uh, right, uh, but right before second service, I went out to the community co-op and grabbed a fresh homemade loaf of bread made by Sherry Gold, I believe, right here. Come on, somebody. And this is fresh homemade bread made this week that they made at the co-op. And I think there's a few loaves le left if you want to get some. I'm making me some sandwiches after service with this bread right here, y'all. But many times when we think of bread, what do we think about, right? We think about this right here. Something that is thick. Something that is puffed up. But the Bible says that this was flat bread. Like this right here. I bought it, so I'm sure it looked way better than this, by the way, right? Sure, I wouldn't want to present this to God, just like these two stacks of six, right? But it was flat. In other words, it was missing an ingredient. What was it missing? It was missing yeast or leaven. Because yeast and leaven causes bread to be puffed up, and it causes bread to rise, right? And even to this day, the nation of Israel has a feast and celebration called the Feast of Unleavened Bread, how they remember how they didn't have of yeast or, or leaven in their bread. 
And this bread was commanded to be flat. And I don't know if you know this or not, but you do know that many times in Scripture that yeast or leaven is a picture of sin and pride? Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 6, get this, he said to them, watch and beware of the leaven, somebody say leaven, of the Pharisees. And who knows, if there is one thing that the Pharisees and Sadducees were, they were prideful. And I came to tell somebody today, if there's one ingredient that will mess up the recipe for gratitude, it is pride. Somebody say pride. Because you know what pride will do? Pride will cause you to be puffed up and ungrateful. And if you want to quench the spirit of God in your life and in your home and at a church, act prideful. The Bible even says that God resists the proud, but what does he do? He gives grace to the humble. He gives grace, but he resists the proud. Now, I don't know what you think of when you think of pride or, or being prideful, because many of us, what we think about, we think about a person that wears sunglasses inside, right? They think they're all cool, all this, all that, arrogant, big, bad, you know, too big, too good for God, too, too good for other people, right? Superiority, they say. But I came to tell you, that is just one form of pride. Pride has another form called inferiority. Somebody say inferiority. And that's where someone has a victim mentality or victim complex, and they complain about everybody and everything and themselves. See, because inferiority will say things like this, no one ever thinks about me. Oh, I can't believe they didn't call me during the pandemic. The pandemic was a while ago in lockdown, y'all. I walked into church today. I can't believe they didn't smile and wave at me. They're in my seat. That seat doesn't have your name on it. You know what I mean? Like, bad, bad, bad stuff always happens. Oh, what about this? I didn't get invited to that party. Oh, hello, somebody. Oh, how come God blessed them, but God never blesses me? And what people think is they think that by acting that way that they are showing humility because humility shows up as gratitude. But can I, I came to tell you today, that is not humility. You know what that is? That is false humility. False humility. The wrong ingredient. See, I've heard it said before that humility doesn't mean that you think less of yourself, but rather more it means that you think of yourself less thinking of yourself less, putting other people, putting God before you. And if we're not careful, y'all, we'll think we'll have the right ingredients, which is false humility, whenever we don't have the true ingredient, which is true humility, and we'll get them mixed up like Brooklyn did with the baking soda and baking powder, and we can mess up the recipe for gratitude. And some of us wonder why we don't feel God the way that we used to feel God, and why God's hand doesn't seem to be honest the way that he was. Why? Because of pride and arrogance and selfishness. See, because pride is all about this, me, myself, and I. Like, look at me. That, you know, what can I get out of this? What can I get out of See, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. This making sense to somebody today? I pray so. I pray so. See, because pride, this is what pride will do. Pride can make you do two things. Pride will make you look around at your success and your possessions and your pedigree and where you're at and make you say to yourself, look what I just did. Oh, I'm, I'm self-made. 
I'm self-built. This is all by the blood, sweat, and tears of, of me as if God didn't give you the strength, the mind, the energy, the breath to do what you, what you do and be where you are. And then pride will also cause you to focus on all the things that you don't have and what you wish you had and what you've lost and make you feel sorry for yourself where, 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 where you don't appreciate what God has blessed and entrusted you with and you don't have gratitude in your heart question, what kind of person are you? Oh, come on. I'm coming. I know. I know. I love you guys, okay? This is, I was reflecting on myself this week, right? Because people will either know you one or two ways, a person of, of pride or a person of gratitude. When you leave a room, when we pass away from this world one day, are people going to say, that was a person that knew how to, how to thank God and worship and give him praise and give him glory and give him honor? Or are they going to say, man, they complained all the time? Negative word after negative word. There was, there's, there was things that were there. Think about this for a second because I want us to really think about this because if we want God's presence to be a priority in our home, we must lay down the pride. We must lay down the ego. We must say, God, if it hadn't been for you and your grace and your goodness and kindness in my life, I wouldn't be who I am today. Come on. I'm not where I used to be. I'm not where I want to be. But thank God. Thank God he's brought me out of darkness into his marvelous light. What kind of person? Because I, can I tell you something? People can tell. Oh, I've heard it said before that pride is a lot like bad breath. Everyone can smell and tell you have it before you do. When was the last time that you genuinely and sincerely reflected back on the goodness of God? And we didn't complain or become prideful, but we just said, God, thank you. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Come on. What? recipe do you have? Do you have the right recipe from gratitude? And is it being passed on to your children? Because I came to tell you what you do in moderation, your children do do in access. Are they going to say, my parents knew how to have a heart of gratitude and worship and thanksgiving? Because can I tell you something? There is power in having gratitude for God. You know what me and my family will do many times when we gather together for prayer throughout the week? We'll gather in the morning, and what we'll do at the beginning when we gather together is we'll simply thank God for his goodness and faithfulness in our lives. We'll thank him for that day. Why? Because we've learned this, that gratitude is the gateway to God's presence. I'm going to say that one more time because that was good. Gratitude is the gateway to God's presence. Where's the scripture at, Caleb? Here you go. Psalm chapter 100, verse 4 through 5. It says this, enter his what? Gates with thanksgiving. Go into what? His courts with praise. Give you know what those were right there? The gates and the courts, those were the entrances into the temple, the place where God's presence dwelt. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. So what does that mean? That means that any time that we enter into the presence of God, any time that we come into this church, any time that we spend time alone with God, we begin by giving God praise and thanks thanksgiving and having gratitude and having humility and that when we have that God when we draw near to God what does he do he draws near he draws near to us 
The first point I want to give you this morning is this. And I believe it's the first part and the first ingredient for gratitude is this. We need to learn how to recount God's faithfulness. Somebody say recount God's faithfulness. Now, recount simply means to remember. And if you want to produce gratitude in your heart, it first begins by recounting the faithfulness of God. See, because remember, God told them, make the table of shoe bread so that way they would never forget. It would be a continual reminder of God's promise, his covenant, his provision, and his goodness to the people. Because who knows that we as human beings, y'all, we have a tendency to be forgetful. And you know what we do? We, we get it mixed up. We, we, we flip the switch. We, we think we remember the things that we should forget, and we forget the things that we should remember. And we get it mixed up. And some of us, we've forgotten God's faithfulness. But I came to remind somebody today in the building or watching online today that you serve a God that is a faithful, good God. Come on, we know the church slogan, God is good all the time and all the time. God is a good God. You serve a good heavenly father. How do I know that? Because the Bible even says that every good and perfect gift comes from where? It comes from above. So guess what? That means that there is not one good thing in your life and in my life that we can point at and look at and say, that is there because I am so good. No, no, no. You're mistaken if you have that mindset. It is there because first, God has been so good to us. Oh, come on. Let me get personal. Let's get, let's get, let's get into the details right now. That means that if you came here today in a car of your own, even if the AC goes in and out and you have battery issues at times, guess what? God has been good to you. If you're going back home to a roof over your head, guess what? God has been good to you. If you have food on your table, God has been good to you. If you have family and friends, God has been good to you. If you have a dollar to your name, God has been good to you. If you're in the right mind this morning and you haven't gone crazy, God has been good to you. If you just showed up and have breath in your body. Come on, God has been good to you. Come on, let the people of God give him a praise and thanksgiving that he is only worthy of. Come on, just for the next five or ten seconds, can we give God a praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You've been good. You are faithful. You are good. Come on, somebody. Don't, did you feel that shift when we did that? When we gave God praise, some of you walked in, down, discouraged, depressed, full of anxiety, carrying pride, but you humbled yourself, you worshiped him, you gave him gratitude, and guess what? God gave you something today, imparted something that you needed. Somebody say, recount his faithfulness. Psalm chapter 9 verse 1 says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount. Somebody say, recount. All of your wonderful deeds. See, the problem that the nation of Israel had was this. The nation of Israel kept forgetting the faithfulness of God. At one point when the nation of Israel is underneath the captivity of Babylon, it's because they forgot God's faithfulness and they began to worship and follow false idols. 
They had forgot the wonderful deeds and acts of God from him splitting the Red Sea to him providing bread and manna from heaven. Jesus at one point, because I believe that even that bread was pointing to someone greater to come, because Jesus said at one point, he reminded them and said, your God provided uh, bread from heaven for your ancestors, but now the true bread from heaven has come down to give life to the entire world, pointing to himself, because in John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said this, he said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Oh, I came to tell somebody today that is seeking to find fulfillment and satisfaction from things in this world, and you find yourself empty time and time again, and you've gone to person after person. Can I tell you, try, taste, and see that the Lord is good. Jesus, he is the bread of life. Come on, we should never forget. I say that to say this. Let us never be like the nation of Israel that forgot about their bread from heaven. Let us never forget about Jesus Christ, who is the bread from heaven, who came down. He went through the corridors of heaven. He took on flesh and bone. He lived the life that we couldn't live. He died the death that we deserve. And for while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, I came to tell you today, he who knew no sin became sin so that way we can become the righteousness of God. He came to give you life and life more abundantly. That is the gospel. That is the good news. That is a reason, and that's a sign of God's faithfulness and goodness because that means that even when we were unfaithful to God, God was still faithful to us. Even when we were so bad, God was still good. Let us never forget what I'm trying to say is we all have a reason to recount God's faithfulness because of what Jesus Christ has done. Oh, you want to know why we take communion? Jesus said, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me, of my body and my blood, my blood which is being poured out as a drink offering, as a covenant unto you. It is a reminder of a covenant that we have between God. We are sinful, and we, 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 we were born into sin. We're, we're not worthy of God. Our righteousness is as filthy rags, but thanks be to God for his son Christ Jesus who came and died on the cross and gave us life. Oh, come on, somebody. Somebody say he's the bread of life. He is the bread of life. I hope this is making sense. I'm not mad at nobody because I'm shouting, by the way, y'all. I just can't help but to hold and, and just thank God for how good he's been. I feel this in my spirit, y'all. Somebody say, he's good. He's good. The bread was pointing to Jesus. The recipe for gratitude begins with recounting God's faithfulness in your life. But I believe it goes a step further. Because, yes, we recount and we remember God's faithfulness and goodness. But another thing that stands out to me, we're making a switch right now, is how the nation of Israel were given specific instructions and how they followed them to the T. And I believe that even through those instructions and their obedience, that was a sign of gratitude unto God. From how the bread was supposed to be cooked and the flour from the bread being stacked to the frankincense being poured all the way to the priests who were able to partake and eat of the bread every single week, y'all. And in that, I believe that we find the second ingredient and key for having a heart of gratitude. You know what it is? Receiving God's instructions. Somebody say, receive God's instructions. Now, like every recipe and every cookbook, right, it has instructions, right? For us to follow, 
And in the same way I came to tell you that God is always speaking, he is always leading, and God is always giving instructions, whether by his spirit or by his written word. And the question is, are we willing to receive and follow the instructions that God has given to us? Because what I've learned and what I've realized is that when we have true gratitude in our hearts, it it compels us to walk accordingly with God's instructions. But when we don't, we begin to walk contrary. When we don't have true gratitude, contrary to God's instructions. Where's the Bible for that? I'll give it to you right here. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 says it like this. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Giving what? Thanks to God the Father through him. So that means that one of the ways that we show gratitude to God is by walking according to his instruction and being obedient. Now, I'm not saying that we should try to act obedient to try to pay God back or to earn something from God. But all I'm trying to say is if that you need the grace and the empowerment and strength to walk the way that God has called us to walk, begin to reflect and recount God's faithfulness in the past and in the present so that way you can produce faith uh, to, to, to walk and follow after him in the future. And it's making sense to anybody this morning. See, there have even been studies that have been done when it comes to motivating factors for someone to be obedient, and they discovered that gratefulness is one of the most powerful emotions and feelings for someone to walk in obedience compared to even other negative emotions and positive emotions. We don't serve a God that we follow after because we are afraid or scared of him. I understand having the fear of the Lord right, but it's having the right fear. Having respect and reverence to God, I understand that. But when you have an understanding and revelation of who God is in your life and what he has brought you from. I don't know about you, but when I think about the Lord and all he has done for me, I can't help but to say, Lord, what is it that you would have me do? What is it that you would have me say? And begin to walk accordingly to what the Spirit of God and what the Word of God is telling me to do. Because you know what many of us do in prayer after thanksgiving and praise? We just keep on asking God for more stuff. But when was the last time that you said, God, even if you don't give me nothing else, you have been so good and faithful to me. What is it that you would have me do? Your servant is listening. Speak, Lord. Can you imagine what can take place if we as a family, if you as an individual family back at home got together, thanked God, and said, God, let your will be done today? God, what are you leading us to do today? Do you want us to reach out and, and, and invite somebody to church? Do you want us to do this? Do you want us to do that? Come on, walk in obedience. Can I tell you something? There is always a blessing on the other side of obedience. Oh, come on. I've heard it said before that obedience brings what? Obedience brings blessings. I think back to the table of shoe bread. It was the permanent right for the priest to eat of the bread every single week. Let's bring this home. We are the royal priesthood of Christ Jesus. And when we pray, what do we say? Lord Jesus, give us this day, right? Heavenly Father, give us this day our daily bread. So when we begin to walk 
in gratitude and walk in obedience, I came to tell you, blessings are on the other side of that corner. Whether here on earth or when we stand before God one day, there is something powerful about having gratitude, and that gratitude should compel you to walk accordingly the way that God has called us to walk. Come on, because who knows, if God did it for you back then, he is faithful to do it again and again and show up and provide. Make sense to somebody today? I'm taking my time. I want this to sit and just really soak. I know it's, it's simple, it's practical and everything, but it's so powerful if we just lived in gratitude. See, some of us, we think that by sacrificing and doing all these things that, that we're being obedient to God, but I came to tell you, I want to insert this real quick. Obedience and, and just sacrifice, those aren't the same thing. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Because you know what the problem was with the Pharisees and Sadducees? They not only obeyed the laws and the commandments from the Old Testament, but they began to add so many unnecessary ones that were never implied or given, and they began to sacrifice, and it became more legalistic and religious, and that's why Jesus butted heads with them so much because, because, it, came, because it, came, it became more about rules and regulations rather than the heart behind the recipe. And the sacrifices produce pride on the inside of them to where they have their own agenda trying to bring glory to themselves. They walked around. They, they, they thought they had gratitude and everything. They wore all these outfits, and, and they were, like, you know, giving God praise in front of the public, in front of the multitudes. And, and God said that when we pray, when we worship, when we do these things, we don't do it to be seen as great in front of men. But when we walk in his ways, we do it because God has been good to us, and we do it in line with his heart, right? Come on, I think of King Saul. Study it when you get a chance. King Saul, at one point, he is told to go and take out an enemy and destroy everything. But what does he do? He leaves behind the best of the animals to give it as a sacrifice before God. Now, many of us, we think, okay, that sounds so, that's, that's really, well, probably we wouldn't say it but back then. Like, that's, what's wrong with that? God didn't tell him to do that. It was because of pride and ego and his sacrifice and what he thought he could do for God rather than being obedient. And that's when the prophet Samuel came, and I'm going to paraphrase, and he said, you big dummy. Don't you know that, that God appreciates and values obedience more than burnt offerings and sacrifice? Obedience is better than sacrifice. When we have gratitude in our hearts and we begin to recount God's faithfulness and blessing, when we begin to recount it and we walk in that obedience, we do it for one reason and one reason only, to bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, come on, somebody. Or if somebody says, man, how'd you, get, how'd you get this? How'd you get that? How did you get there? How'd you get this? And say, thank you, Jesus. He's been good to me. He's been faithful to me. Now, oh, yeah, I worked my butt off a whole lot for that thing right there. You know, I did this. I did. None of that's pride. What does pride do? That's not gratitude. It's the opposite. They don't mix well together. Oh, it's just making sense to somebody today. Somebody say the recipe for gratitude. Recount God's faithfulness. Receive his instruction. Walk out in it. Come on, stand to your feet this morning. Come on, worship me. You can come up. I hope I gave you something to chew on and to think about this week, y'all. Come on. You, it doesn't have to be Thanksgiving for us to give God Thanksgiving. Come on, somebody. That was a good dad joke, wasn't it? 
I want to give you this conclusion real quick. When you mix gratitude with obedience, God pours out a blessing. Come on, somebody. When you mix gratitude with obedience, God pours out a blessing. And what I felt so led to do this morning, and something broke during first service when we did this, and I want us to do this right now. As I want you to think back, maybe just close your eyes, maybe just, just whatever you feel comfortable doing. I want you to think about God's goodness and faithfulness in your life and how good he has been to you. He has restored relationships. He has kept you alive. Things that we even did, he, he worked all things together for good. And when was the last time that you just said, thank you, Jesus? And you begin to recount on his blessings because he's been so good to us. And what I want us to do right now is I want you just to think back. It doesn't matter if you've been living God for God for years. Let us never become so prideful and arrogant, y'all, and become religious. Where we become dry Christians that quench the Spirit of God because we forgot what God has done for us. There is power in gratitude and thanksgiving. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his courts with praise. So right now in this moment, I want us to sing this song out. And this is a song I told the worship team to play. And I want you just to begin to give God a heartfelt thanksgiving and praise and worship. And I believe that God's going to begin to minister and his spirit's going to touch people right now. Come on, can we sing it out when I think about the Lord? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.